our passage this morning is Psalm 111. That's found on page, page 646 in your pew Bibles. Before we read Psalm 111, we'll ask God's blessing. Father in heaven, as we turn to your word, we pray that you would give us understanding and insight, that you would open our minds and our hearts, not only to receive, but as well to give, to give of our full attention, to give of our awe and wonder and praise to your name. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart and the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Thus sends the reading of God's word. Just what is Thanksgiving? Just what is its intent and purpose? What is it? Well, I turned to where we go for the infallible truth, it seems, today, and I googled that question, what is Thanksgiving? And the answer I found is that Thanksgiving Day is an annual national holiday in the United States and Canada celebrating the harvest and other blessings of the past year. A celebration of the harvest and blessings of the year. That was, is what was repeatedly brought as, what is Thanksgiving? And it was generally tied to various other cultures and their celebrations and festivals of harvest and Thanksgiving. Now, I'm not going to go into the, the history, the religious origins of American Thanksgiving. Rather, what I want to focus on is the action of giving thanks and what it is, what it means, how do we properly express it, what is giving thanks, particularly as an act of worship. You see, what we'll see is that Thanksgiving should be focused on the worship of God through his work of redemption. Thanksgiving should be focused on the worship of God through his work of redemption. I'll look at that in our first point with thanks as an act of worship. We see that in this psalm. Thanksgiving is used, giving thanks is used by the psalmist as an act of worship. He is praising the Lord and giving thanks. What you may not know and you wouldn't know if you just read it in our English translation is that this psalm, Psalm 111, is an acrostic. An acrostic is a Hebrew poetic device where each line or each portion of the song begins with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it's structured according to the Hebrew alphabet. The reason this is important is that an acrostic does not generally follow a deductive pattern. It's not as if there's one thing that is said, and then the next thing is built on that, and then the next thing follows. It's not that type of pattern. Rather, what an acrostic is, it's a beautiful portrayal of a theme 
or a topic or a few topics. It takes an idea and sort of just revolves around that and glories in that theme. Praising the Lord is the theme of this psalm. Thanking Him is what it revolves around. So this is a portrayal of the beauty of Hebrew poetry, specifically on praise and thanksgiving. That's what Psalm 111 is. That's what it revolves around. And we see that in the opening of the psalm, where the psalmist says, Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. Praise and thanks. That is what the psalmist is offering. Now, those two are very closely related, but they're not the same thing. Praise is rather general. You can praise someone in many different ways by recounting what they've done by explaining their grandeur, and yes, by offering thanksgiving. But thanks and giving thanks to someone is always a form of praise, but it's more personal. You see, to give thanks implies that the deeds that were done were done in such a way by that person, and it was done for you, so you should give thanks for it. It it infers that there was some kind of activity, some kind of action, something done that should be received by us and responded to in thanks. You see, it requires two people, the one who's done the deed and the one who is giving thanks. It means that personal reception, what was done, has affected us personally. And that's what the psalmist is saying. So it's praise and thanksgiving. That's the difference between the two. All thanksgiving is praise, but not all praise is necessarily Thanksgiving as we understand it. Thanking God for his deeds. Praising him for what they mean for us. And you see even in this psalm, what the the psalmist revolves around, the thanks he's giving to God is his works. His works specifically in provision. Generally speaking, his works of creation, his works providing the nourishment and food that we need and as well his works of redemption and saving us two things that we receive personally, a byproduct of. And so the psalmist gives thanksgiving. The first verse, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. This verse gives us the content of worship and the direction of worship. The content of worship is what we just said, praise and thanksgiving. That's what fills worship. That's how you worship the Lord, praise and thanksgiving. The direction of worship is what the psalmist says. It's to the Lord. Now, the direction of worship matters. And it matters especially on a day in which we have a a day set aside by a nation for what is directionless thanks. Mere thanksgiving, mere expressions of thanks. You see, what the secular world doesn't understand is what I just said. It's not Thanksgiving unless two people are involved, two persons. What good does it do to thank the land or ground for harvest? You can't. It's foolish to go to the Thanksgiving table and tell the turkey, thank you for doing something that if they actually had their own will and reason probably would not have offered you. Why give thanks to these things? You see, even the expression of thanksgiving in, the, in our world to just have a spirit of thanksgiving, to just be thankful, makes no sense. Because thanksgiving requires someone to have done something in which we are thankful for. So you see, the, the very idea of being thankful 
means that there must be someone who's responsible. Now, we give thanks to people all the time, right? And that's, that's good. We should. Keeping the theme of Thanksgiving before us, keeping the theme even of the turkey before us, whoever made that turkey, perhaps it's your wife, perhaps, the, perhaps you as the husband deep fries it or something. I don't know. Everyone has their, their own ideas. That can be rather dangerous, by the way, too. Tasty, but dangerous. Whatever you do, it'd be good to thank the person for their work. Thank you for preparing this turkey. Thank you for this meal. Thank you for your love. All these things can be offered to another person. And so Thanksgiving can be, generally speaking, offered to someone else, right? And it must be. But true Thanksgiving, especially for what this day is supposed to be intended for, can't be offered to another mere human. As, we, as I said, the explanation of the day is Thanksgiving for harvest, for provision, who do we thank for the rains that, that fall and water the ground and the crops and the plants and feed those animals, feed the very turkeys that we eat? Who brings the crop and its production? Who brings the food and all that it yields? Well, as the psalm says, it's the Lord. You see, what we're getting at is thanks is proper, but as thanks for everything that's done for your life itself, that can only be offered to one, and that is the Lord. So you see how the only way to truly live thanksgiving, the only way to offer thanksgiving as an act of worship, it must go to God himself. Otherwise, it's pointless. Otherwise, it's completely worthless. Otherwise, it does no good thing. We understand that expressing thanks to God is an act of worship, an act of worship directed to God alone, for he alone is responsible Many treat thanksgiving, many treat just giving thanks as a day to be thankful, but erase any meaning, broadening it from just this day. The, the psychologists, the, the doctors, the experts will tell you how healthy it is to be thankful, and so people will say, you just need to be thankful, you've got to cultivate that, that's healthy for your body, and it certainly is. And that's why we Christians know and understand that that true health, not just meaning bodily, physical health, but true health comes, as the psalmist suggests, in praising and thanking the Lord, and thanking Him in worship. So we see first, our first point was thanks as an act of worship. Now we see thanks properly expressed in worship. Thanks that is properly expressed in in worship, If, as we've just said, worship must be directed towards God alone, otherwise we direct worship to something other than him, well, we make a mistake to equate worship with its byproducts. Here's what I'm getting at. So often what we want to be thankful for is what God has done. But what we really are wanting to be thankful for is what we receive through worship. What we receive by worshiping him. And what we're really wanting to be thankful for isn't God per se, but the blessings, the provisions, the givings. That's what we want. That's what we're after. But if we direct worship to that, to other than God himself, if we are merely wanting to be thankful for food and provisions, and if we merely want to be thankful in worship for the good feelings that we get, for the joy or the peace, in other words, if we're searching the byproduct of worship instead of the one who is responsible for it, we're committing the same sin, the same problem. 
This was explained well by a pastor who says it this way, about not confusing the, 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 the reason we gather for worship, to praise the Lord, to be thankful so that we glorify his name. Don't confuse that with what worship brings. This is what he says. We can't confuse what is central with the byproducts. If you seek peace, you will not find peace. If you seek Christ, you will find peace. If you seek joy, you will not find it. If you seek Christ, you will find joy. If you seek holiness, you will not find it. If you seek Christ, you will find holiness. If you seek experiences of worship, you will not find them. If you worship the living God, you will experience what is described in this psalm. So don't be thankful only for the byproduct that defeats the purpose. What this pastor is saying is that true worship is to be given to God. And what you do is you thank God and you praise Him. And it is only in that way of worship, it is only in being thankful in that sense, where our concern is not the byproduct, where our concern isn't what comes from it, but rather merely or certainly giving the praise and honor to Christ and to God Himself. It is through that that we receive the blessings of worship. It is through that that we find peace and joy and holiness and experiences of worship. Now notice the next phrase of the verse, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. So how do we properly express thanks in worship? Well, it's the sincerity, sincerity of our heart. It's the attitude. It's the atmosphere of worship. Worship must be that heartfelt. It must be that sincere. It is his whole being. What saturates the psalmist and his worship is that his whole heart is engaged here. I'm sure we've seen what is rather the opposite of this type of thanks. Rather than a wholehearted thanksgiving for everything that's been done, you may have seen in a Christmas party or a birthday when a child may get a gift that they already have, that they didn't want, that that wasn't the right one, they're generally pretty open about it, right? They don't really hide it. And usually what they'll end up saying is something like, they'll open it in all this excitement and then, oh, I have this one. Or my brother already has this one. Or this wasn't what I wanted. And then what happens? Usually the parents in rather embarrassment come over and say, try to shush them and say, no, be, tell them thank you, tell them thank you. They might turn and say, thanks. You can tell it's, it's not heartfelt. It's not sincere. See, it wasn't what they were after. What we're after is thanksgiving to God with our whole hearts, our whole beings, not judging what he's done on what we wanted. Was that what we hoped we'd get? But rather being thankful for what we got, for what God gave. And by praising and worshiping God that way, that is how you receive the byproducts. Just not as the goal. It's a byproduct. It's not central. We give thanks to the Lord with all our whole hearts. And you see that this is directed to the people in worship. That's what the psalmist says. It's in the congregation. It's in the assembly of the people. So what the psalmist is saying, he gives wholehearted worship to the Lord in the assembly, in the congregation, with the people of the Lord as they are gathered together to worship Him. So let me say it this way. Do you go hard after Christ in worship? With your whole being, 
Do you put yourself in it? Do you put all in it? Do you work at giving thanks? Is your praise and thanksgiving that heartfelt? Or is it perfunctory? What does perfunctory mean? Perfunctory means carried out with minimum effort or reflection. Is that our thanks? Is that our worship? Carried out with minimum thought, minimum effort, minimum reflection. We just are there. We're like that child who didn't get what they wanted. And so our thanks is just merely in response to our parents telling us or merely in response to the fact that we know we ought to. So we give thanks. No. The psalmist says, give it your all. Go for it. Hold nothing back. Expend yourself in giving thanks to the Lord. Give it your best possible attempt. This means the attitude of corporate worship should be a body of believers gathering together and each one of them is giving it their all, their full attention, their full emotions, their very souls are engaged in praising and thanking the Lord. How do we do that? Well, it's not perhaps as hard as it may sound initially. For a true believer, for one who has true faith, true faith will always spring up and ablaze in response to what the psalmist brings as the works of God. See, where the psalmist goes in this, in this work, in this song of praise, is to say what the Lord has done. And when a believer encounters what the Lord has done, when he sets his attention and his mind on the very power and might and honor of the Lord, you can't help but flare up. It's like embers that are perhaps burned down, but they're there, they're burning, and all that needs to happen is a poker needs to come in and stir it, or something needs to fall on it, and it flares up and immediately burns. And that's what a believer is like in worship. When they come and they encounter the Lord, and that's what happens here, that's what happens each Sunday we gather together. You come in and you encounter the works of the Lord, and you praise His name. And so true faith is like that ember that's just glowing. Now, it takes work, no question. It takes work to focus our attention. It takes work to bring ourselves to worship. It takes work to come on Thanksgiving Day and worship the Lord. Sometimes we need to force ourselves to be in contact with it. Sometimes we need to force ourselves to know, no, we will give thanks to the Lord, and we know what will happen when our faith, when our love for the Lord encounters the Lord, it will flare up in what the psalmist is saying with worship from our whole heart. Don't judge that always on your emotions. Don't judge that always in the feeling that's produced. But work at it. Work at giving the Lord the worship of your whole being. Do that with your, your whole heart. We see the, the works of God beginning in verse 2. Great are the works of the Lord. And then notice this. Here's another answer for how do we do it. Studied by all who delight in them. The works of the Lord are our delight. And in fact, it is what we study. We are completely devoted to it. That's, again, why it does take hard work. Remember, if we are like that ember that will, as a true faith that burns, flare up and produce that, that energy, that desire for the Lord, that true faith and the strengthening of that faith, but you must study the works of the Lord. You must devote yourself to them. All those who delight in God study those works. We can't always be spoon-fed this. Now going back to that illustration of the, the child who didn't get the gift what they want. You know, everything's spoon-fed, even the words that are, are said. 
You know, go, go thank Uncle Jeb and Aunt Edith for that gift you didn't want. Go, go, go say thanks for the whatever. It's spoon-fed. Here it is. Here's your words. That, that's not the worship we want. That's not the worship we want to offer. We want to offer worship to God of those who have been immersed in the study of his works, in the study of what he's done, generally speaking, in creation itself, and specifically in redemption, and what he's done to, to provide salvation for his people. So what this is meaning is you've so studied what God has done, you are aware and are able to, to bring it to God in praise and thanksgiving. You have a mind to it. You're looking for it. To say, study this, it might sound rather dry. No one likes to study, really. So there are a few who do, but most equate study with, with school or work and assignments, and it sounds dry, and it's not what we like. That's not this. Again, at times we may have to initially force ourselves into it, showing discipline, but that's, that's not what the psalmist is talking about, nor is that what our thanks will ultimately be. Rather, this is more like the studying you do for a hobby, the studying you do to what is your delight. That type of study is not a burden. That type of study isn't something we just give because we have to. And we got to get that done. No, we all, we all have our interests. And our interest we know. Because it's our interest. Someone into sports might know every statistic, might know every record, might be able to tell you of deeds done 20 years ago, maybe even something that didn't happen in their lifetime. Why? Because sports is their hobby. And they study it and are devoted to understanding it because it's their interest, it's their like. That can happen to anything, any hobby. Well, I'm not just saying the Lord is a hobby as if we dabble in Him, but that type of true devotion, that type of study of the Lord, because it is our heart's desire, that is what the psalmist is talking about. Don't just study the Lord in the works of the scriptures either. Don't just confine it only to see and, and try to recognize what God has done in the pages of his revelation. What I'm getting at is the Lord acts now. We need to be experts of those who see how the Lord works in our lives. That perhaps takes a different character. We can see in God's Word a plain revelation. It's easy to determine in our own lives the way that's generally carried out is in trust, is in seeing how the circumstances of life God has carried out, in, in seeing how one thing led to another and being thankful for the Lord. It's, it's in seeing provision on your plate each day and being thankful that He gives it to you. You're studying the works of the Lord, to think that this came about through a job that you had no control in how you got, through strength that isn't yours to begin with, on a table that you didn't provide, with food you didn't grow, just see how the Lord and all of his works are, are responsible for this very thing. That is studying and praising the Lord and thanking him. Be devoted to this. We need to acknowledge that this is not always our mindset. Sometimes we are poor at this. Sometimes it's, it's just not what we think about, and we are more devoted to our own works than the works of the Lord. I read a story of one man who, who said this. This is this man telling a story. My wife and I recently went on vacation, and I took a camera along and several rolls of film. Upon our return, my wife began proudly showing off our latest set of vacation photos. She'd then tell me her co-workers' reactions. 
After a few days of this, I noticed a recurring theme. People would say, wow, your husband must have a really nice camera. Even though people liked my photos, I was disappointed. I wanted them to acknowledge what a good photographer I am, not what a good camera I have. I ranted to my wife, why do people do this? Nobody looks at a painting and says, nice brushes. Nobody looks at a skyscraper and says, nice drafting table. Nobody looks at a sculpture and says, nice chisel. What's wrong with these people? It felt good to get it off my chest until my wife reminded me, so how often do you look at creation and say, nice work, God? What is this story getting across? Well, this man was more interested in his own works, and this is a great illustration of that because what he was merely doing was capturing what God made. It was a still shot of everything that God had done. And you see, he wanted to, to praise. He wanted the praise himself. He wanted the thanksgiving, and that's the way we generally are. We more are in tune to study our works and the works of the Lord that are all around us. The psalmist tells us what we are to do. So we've seen first how thanksgiving is an act of worship. We've seen second how thanks is properly expressed in worship. And finally, we see thanksgiving for God's work of redemption. Thanksgiving for God's work of redemption. In this psalm, we've seen how praise is a combination of the worship of God for what he's done, generally speaking, but specifically in redemption, in redeeming his people. And that's where praise always goes. We certainly praise the Lord for his general works, just as that story. We praise the Lord for creation, for his power and might, but we don't end it there. It goes to what is, as the Lord considers it, his finest work. What does the Lord consider his finest work? Redemption. And so praise centers on redemption. Thanksgiving should be focused on the worship of God through his work of redemption. These verses give that full expression to what the Lord does, his majesty, his provision, with their redemptive power. Look at verse 4. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. God is gracious enough to cause us to remember these works. That's as well how we worship the Lord with all our whole heart. He did this in the Old Testament. He gave the people festivals. He gave them feasts such as Passover in which they could participate in a symbolic way of redemption itself. We have the sacraments now where we are able to participate in a very special way to receive nourishment and remember what the Lord has done in saving and redeeming us. But we also have that every time we do what we're doing right now. You see, the Lord's provided worship. Now, we do that in a special way. It is our, our privilege to be able to gather even on a day that isn't the Lord's day in worship. But he's given us the Lord's Day as a day of rest in which it is specifically set aside to gather and worship him, to be reminded of his works. What a provision of grace to set before us these works upon which we can be fed every week. You see the focus of redemption in the psalm on verse 9. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Why does it matter to focus so much on the works of redemption? Why does it matter to center our thanksgiving on redemption? Because ultimately that means centering our thanksgiving on Christ. That's why it matters to center on redemption. Now you see this psalm, the psalmist is praising the Lord for the redeeming acts 
that were his to know, his to, to discern, his to study. And at that time, it would have been the acts of the Exodus. It would have been however God had provided for his people to when this psalm was written. He could look back and see how God redeemed. But the whole idea of redemption, even Exodus redemption, was so much more than the political and the physical. It was the spiritual. That's what always Exodus redemption means. We, know, we knew that when we went through Exodus, we saw it isn't just meaning taking one nation and bringing it to another. It's taking people from death and slavery to the devil himself and bringing them to heaven. That's the spiritual reality. And so when the psalmist is praising the Lord specifically for redemption, what he's giving to the Lord is what the Lord wants to be praised for, what he's done to redeem his people. We've been talking about what is aspects of true worship. Well, if I could provide one more. True worship is offered in thanksgiving and praise for God's redemptive acts in Christ. True worship is Christ-centered, centered on redemption. Why? Why is our thanksgiving ultimately useless if it's not centered on Christ? Because the Trinity is worshipped through Christ. What do I mean? It's not to the exclusion of the Father and the Holy Spirit to have Christ-centered worship. You see, the Spirit's activity, the Spirit's goal in worship, and what the Spirit even desires to be thanked for is uniting us to Christ, is applying what God, what Christ has gained in His actions, in His, in His life and ministry, and applying it to us. That's what the Spirit desires to do. That's what He desires to see praised, is the application of Christ. The Father, how does the Father want to be worshipped? What brings the Father most joy and most worship is to have His Son brought to Him in that act of redemption, in that act of love. And so when we worship God, we worship through Christ, the center of redemption, which is Trinitarian worship, which is thanksgiving and worship to God and all who He is. That's why Old Testament worship centered on the redemptive events that pointed to Christ. That's why we center on worship, pointing to Christ specifically. And as we close, I want to do that, just looking at it at each verse, very very briefly seeing how Christ fulfills all these verses. Look in your Bibles, and I want you to read the verse as I'm explaining or saying how this psalm, might, how this psalm refers to Christ. Verse 3 says that God's works are full of splendor and majesty and His righteousness endures forever. Well, that is clearly shown in Christ, the one who accomplished the splendor and majesty, the one who revealed the righteousness of God as no one else could. Verse 4, we see that it's actually Christ who is to be remembered in all God's works, and it is through Christ that we see the grace and mercy of God. Verse 5, God has remembered his covenant and provided everything for his people in his Son. Verse 6, it is in Christ that the power of God's works is most revealed as well as in him that we inherit the nations. Verses 7 and 8, the faithful, just works of God are established forever in Christ. He establishes them. He carries them out. Verse 9, redemption and covenant faithfulness are grounded on Christ himself, who is the one to receive the name that is above all names. Christ is the center of our worship. Christ is the center of our thanks, which is to thank the Lord. So, 
Psalm 111 directs us to what any day of thanksgiving should be focused upon. The worship of God through redemption, yes. But we can refine it today. We know the full story. Giving thanks should be focused on the worship of God through redemption in Christ. That's why we're here. That's why we gather. That's even why in eating turkey and stuffing and all the rest, even in celebrating, whatever we do, we eat and drink to the honor of God. The honor of what he's provided and the greatest provision in Christ himself. The mere fact that we can enjoy even creation is because we are at peace with God. It's hard to enjoy things when you are not at peace with the God who's given them. It's hard to not enjoy things when you are at peace with the God who's giving all these things to you through Christ. There is no other way of truly giving thanks on Thanksgiving Day or any other. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we are thankful to gather together to see what is Thanksgiving expressed in worship on what we should center our praise and thanksgiving to you. And we ask that we would do this even on this day and that you would help us to fulfill our very purpose every day, which is to live in thanks, to offer you worship, whatever we do, to do it for the glory and honor of your name, your mighty works, and specifically the works of redemption in Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen.